Watershed Worship Arts intern this year, and I'm so excited to be worshiping with you all this Sunday. Um, in order to welcome everyone, I'm going to invite you all to stand up and greet your neighbors. And tell them something you did this weekend fun. I heard someone was swimming in the lake last week, so maybe someone went swimming recently. I don't know. I want to invite you all to stay standing and worship with me.
seated and direct your attention to the video. As the Israelites journeyed through the desert, they began to complain. They were tired of eating manna and wanted meat like they had when they were slaves in Egypt. Frustrated by their complaining, God gave the Israelites exactly what they wanted. A huge wind blew an enormous flock of quail right into their camp. They had so much quail, they ate it for every meal for a month. It was literally coming out of their nostrils. Not long after this, the Israelites continued their journey toward the Promised Land. They came to the outskirts of a city called Canaan. Moses sent spies ahead to see if the city was a good place to live and how tough the battle might be to take it over. The spies came back and told him the land was amazing, flowing with milk and honey and all kinds of fruit. But the people living there were huge, like giants, and that it would be impossible to defeat them. But two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, told the Israelite leaders they should go into Canaan because God was on their side. The leaders refused, becoming so angry at Joshua and Caleb that they almost executed them because the Israelites didn't believe that God would help them. God sent them to wander in the desert for 40 years. In the desert, the Israelites were having trouble finding water and began to complain. So God told Moses to speak to a rock and water would flow from it. Moses trusted God, but only partly. He not only spoke to the rock, but struck it with his walking stick. When he did, water gushed from the rock. God wasn't happy with Moses' lack of trust and punished him by allowing him to see the promised land, but not enter it. Moses was getting pretty old and looked for someone to take over for him as leader. He chose Joshua. Just before he died, Moses stood before the entire nation of Israel and told them the story of how God had promised land to Abraham, freed them from slavery in Egypt, and had even given them commands to live by as God's special people. When he finished, Moses climbed a nearby mountain. God showed him all of the promised land, and Moses died. Kids through fifth grade this morning, right, Sam? If you'll come on over here, and we're going to pray for you and pray for us before we all learn more about God's Word. They have manna and quail coming out their noses. Oh, that can't feel good. Is everybody doing good today? Yeah? Are you doing good? All right, are you ready to pray with me? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much uh, for your love for us. Thank you for the gift of this day. And Father, I pray uh, just for my, my little friends here, as well as uh, the rest of our, our friends here in the room. God, as we hear your word, that we hear from your Bible, we hear the stories about you, or that we would grow in our love for you and grow in our knowledge of your love for us. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen. amen. All right. See you guys and gals. Well, and good morning to the rest of you all today. How you doing? Good. I should be talking with a little more of an Irish accent this morning after a, a week in Ireland and 
No, I won't do that. <laughs> no, I had a, had a great opportunity. Uh, for those who, of you, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor Aaron, I'm Watershed Campus Pastor here. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a great opportunity over the last uh, week. We got back last week, Saturday late night. It was about, uh, for me, a 23-hour day by the time I finally went to bed. Um, so I'm glad Corey stepped in last Sunday. Uh, thankful for Luke stepping in uh, the week before. Uh, but yeah, we had, we had a phenomenal trip over to Ireland to meet our partners in ministry at Greystones Nazarene Community Church. Uh, Pastor Luke Kerrig, who had spent a year with us here uh, at Hardawike, uh, it was great to be able to encourage them. We were able to put together a couple shipping container uh, classrooms and get those ready. So from one week to the next, they like doubled their children's ministry space. We were able to be a part of that. A few of us pounded in, moved a lot of stone, right, Jeff? And pounded it in. Todd, yep, there's, there's my compatriots. Those guys wheelbarrowed it. I stood there and went poof, poof, poof. But uh, nonetheless, it was, it was a great trip. Uh, and uh, today, as we think about, we're coming to the end of a mini-series in our story series, right? We're, we're going through our a journey in the Bible, the story, and, and we're, we're going from Genesis to Revelation. In it, we've got these mini-series, these series that kind of help us understand a little bit of our location uh, over the last couple of weeks, Luke and, and uh, Corey did a great job of kind of helping us understand Israel's story as they're rescued from Egypt, as God shows his presence to them and gives, him the pre- gives them their presence, uh, his presence in the wilderness. Today we're talking about the wanderings, as we saw in our video, and, and kind of the purpose of that. And, and we're bringing this idea of God's rescue to its conclusion. So today we're kind of coming back, if you're in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're closing off that section called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. We're closing that up today. We're bringing that to a conclusion because the people are about ready to enter God's promised land. As I was thinking about wandering today, um, I, I will show you a couple pictures from Ireland. Uh, this is Diamond Hill. Luke brought us across the country, four hours, a rainy, rainy morning. We were anticipating fully that we were going to be very, very wet. However, God, in his goodness, let the skies part with sunshine. And uh, we came to Diamond Hill. So he had a plan for us. Now, he let us in on the plan a little bit, but we didn't know what we were going to completely be doing in Connemara National Park. Because it's not the Cliffs of Moher, which everybody goes to. It's not hanging out in Galway that, you know, um, certain singers sing about. Uh, but anyways, we, we come to this park, right? We see this, this nub. And, and from far away, it doesn't look too bad. Well, guess what? Some of us actually hiked it. And i got to give props to Carol. She does sneak in on my selfies. That was my job for the trip, to be the, the built-in selfie stick. But we made a thousand foot hike up to the top of that little nub. So is that the end of the journey? Did we succeed? I mean, I felt like it because, thank you, Todd and Jenny, for hanging back. They were, they were like making sure that I came down the mountain. Elevation it messed with my breathing and my head. And then all of a sudden you get down a little bit and you're like, oh, I'm a new person again. Right? So was that our wandering? Right? Was that the purpose? I mean, Luke invited us, think about creation. I mean, look at this. Look at that landscape. It's a harbor that goes into the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, creation captivates you. The beauty, right? It's marvelous. It's a little bit different than what we have here. But was that the end of the journey, the end of our wanderings? No, the next stop on our trip was uh, to Ladderfrack Industrial School. And, And Luke wanted us not only to think about creation, but he wanted us to think about the fall. And Letterfrack was, um, you know, he can tell more of his own story, but a place where his father and others were abused. Young boys were forgotten and left alone. And that's the cemetery where many of them are remembered. So you go from the heights of creation to the depths of pain, right, and where sin goes. And, and the church has had a really poor history in Ireland has an uphill battle to play, not all too unlike the church in the United States. So is this done? 
whew, it was heavy. By now, I don't know how many steps I had. We had 18 miles for the day of hiking, 32,000 steps, <laughs> 1,000 feet. Were we done wandering? No. We end up to Kylemore Abbey, and Luke invited us to reflect. You can just barely see Jesus, the crucified Jesus, but with no cross, a resurrected Jesus. And he, he invited us to think about not only sin, but how salvation has come. That not, God didn't stay in the heights and in the peaks, but he actually entered into the mess, in the muck, in the mire of earth. We thought about and reflected on God's salvation for us. Were we done? No. Because Luke had one more grand idea. And yes, some of us did this. And that was new creation. We were going to remember our baptism by diving in the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, I did. There is a video floating out there of me doing it. You don't want to see it. I borrowed the bathing suit from Luke. It is a couple waist sizes too small, and it's just not pretty. <laughs> so the journey for today is you don't need to see it. <laughs> right? There was purpose, wandering. Our trip was filled with purpose. There was reasoning. Israel's journey out of Egypt was filled with purpose in reasoning. As we watched in our video, they came to the promised land. And we get to hear a little of what the scripture tells us as Moses leads them to the land. And I want to invite you to hear the scriptures with me. Deuteronomy chapter 6. They had wandered. They had gone through 40 years in a wilderness. At one point in time, they were on the brink of going in and they failed. They couldn't trust the God who had rescued them. And, and so in turn, God brings them back into the wilderness to refine them, to work in them a dependence upon him. And here comes the second shot. 40 years later, and Moses says these words. Let's hear God's word together this morning from Deuteronomy 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees, commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord our God, the God of our ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Right? Let them be in everything that you do. Verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to you, a land with large, flourishing cities you didn't build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and oil grow, olive groves that you didn't plant, then you will eat and be satisfied. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Don't put the Lord your God to the test, as you did at Massa. It's a story in Exodus 17 where he had to bring water from the rock but they grumbled against the Lord. They complained. They said, I'd rather go back to Egypt than move forward with you. And God says, man, don't, don't go there. Don't test me as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations, decrees he's given you. Do what's right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good, the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said, in the future, 
when your sons and daughters ask you what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you, tell them. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we're careful to obey all the law before the Lord our God as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. We've been talking throughout this series, I've been using this rhythm of God's story, God's upper story, and our lower story, right? We're peering in on what is God attempting to do in the story of the scriptures. The scriptures are, before anything else, a story about God. Not a story about Israel, not a story about anything or anyone other than God. He's inviting us into his story. And then throughout it, we see his story being worked out in these lower stories, right? These earthly stories. In some ways, I'm trying to teach you a rhythm of how to read the scriptures, okay? Sometimes people ask, how do I study the scriptures? Well, let me give you two questions. What's the text say about God? So what's God up to? And what's it say about human beings? What are people up to? Right? If you just take those two questions, questions into your study of the scriptures, you're going to stay on track more often than you will get off. And by God's grace, sometimes we get off. Thanks thanks be to God, he brings us back. But in these rhythms, I've been trying to, and I'll continue to try to help you develop eyes to see that there is a different story going on. This morning, what is God's upper story for us? I think one of the first things that comes to mind is that God is leading the people into his promised land. So God is keeping a promise we heard in Deuteronomy 6 that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is keeping a promise he made to the people when they were in exile, not exile, exodus. Oh, those EX words. Right? He's keeping a promise that he would carry them. He's keeping a promise he made to them throughout the wilderness. I am bringing you somewhere. Right? Do we trust that God keeps his promises? See, when we look at the whole story, when we're in the middle of it, sometimes we don't see it. But if we read the story of Scripture, when we see from Numbers all the way through Deuteronomy, which most of this week covers... Chapter 6, if you're reading along in the storybook, covers a couple books of the Bible. But one of the things it tells us for sure is that God is good at keeping his promises. They may not always come today or tomorrow, but they will come. The next thing that comes is that God, by grace, is leading his people into life. Right? How often did we hear in Deuteronomy 6? So that it may go well with you, so that you may live a full and abundant life, so that this can be for generation after generation. That God's intention for his people is always life. It isn't to lead us into misery. I think that's important as we explore the lower story in just a moment. As we continue to look at his story, he gives us guides and commands along the way. Right, Corey just leaned in just a touch last week, but God gives the commandments after he rescues his people, not before. I want us to always remember that. That God doesn't go, hey, get your life right, then I'll rescue you. No, God rescues us and then invites us into a life with him. Part of the role of the commandments, God's commands, the commands that he's reiterating to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 6 and throughout Deuteronomy as a book, are meant to guide the people into relationship with God, are meant to guide them into life, and be a guardrail for them to keep them from, let's be honest, doing some stupid things. How many times has the God's law kept you from doing some dumb things? Anybody? Right? Sometimes it's actually helped. <laughs> but remember, its purpose is meant, as is God's purpose for us, to lead us to life and to lead us 
to him. So not only does God give commands and laws to help us in our journey, to help us in the land, but God throughout the wilderness, and if we read Deuteronomy 8, which, by the way, Pastor JB and Pastor Bill are preaching sermons on Deuteronomy 8, watch them. Live stream them afterwards. JB will be after Watershed's done. If you're not hanging around for the potluck, there's a shameless plug. Bill's already preached. But in Deuteronomy 8, it recounts the stories of their wilderness wanderings. And God ultimately is trying with the people to create a dependence upon him. Not only does God rescue us from Egypt, but he's trying to get Egypt out of us. I'm going to come back to that saying in just a moment. But God is developing a dependence. And then finally, God wants us to remember. Right? To remember what he's done, who he is, and who we are to him. That's why he says, write this on the doorpost. Talk about it as you sit down, as you lie down, not only just as a family and individuals, but as a community. Let what God has done be your story to remember. When your kids come and ask you, why do we do all of this? Tell them it was because we were rescued by God. Right? That is our story as a people loved by God, rescued in Jesus Christ. That once Jesus actually as a young child went to Egypt You know that? After he was born, his parents fled with him to Egypt. Why? Because Jesus is the fullness of Israel. He lives their journey over because he is more than what Israel could ever be. He is always for us more than we could be ourselves. But he goes down into Egypt so that as he comes out of Egypt, we can come out of Egypt. Ooh, symbolism, fun things. That's another sermon. But it's so we remember the story of our rescue. Our story as God's people is always going to be one that he rescues us from our Egypts. God who has been good to us, who loves us, has rescued us from sin and brokenness. Those things don't have to define us. Our mistakes, our failings, they don't have to define us. Where we've been don't have to define us. God's story for us and our story in him is a story of rescue. But here's the thing too we see in the wilderness journey we see in our stories as well is that uncertainty and discomfort can throw us off. Amen? Uh, Yeah, you got it. Right? It can throw us off. Climb up a mountain and you don't realize that Eltonude messes with your asthma (laughs) can throw you off. And you go, I just need to get down. (laughs) It messes with us. Why? Because we lose our focus, don't we? When things are uncomfortable, when things aren't sure, when we don't know where we're going. The fear and worry oftentimes cause us to stop thinking clearly and we become reactionary. Don't test me as you did at Massa. Right? You're wondering where food is coming from. Exodus 17 is that story. And you're grumbling and complaining after you saw me do miracle upon miracle in Egypt. You saw me, you walked through a divided sea on dry land. You saw fire on a mountain. I mean, come on. When you created a golden idol, I made you actually eat the thing. Not only as I wiped out some people in discipline. But fear, worry, uncertainty, discomfort cause us oftentimes to react and not think. It actually functions differently in our brains when you understand our brain chemistry. When we're reacting, when we feel like our life is on the line, we actually functionally cannot, cannot think anymore. We can only respond out of a fight, flight, or freeze mentality. It's two separate parts of our brain that don't function together. One overrides the other. And God is inviting the people, no, we've got to, you've got to keep thinking. You've got to keep remembering so that you know you have nothing to fear. Right? There's something about the wilderness, too, in our stories that we have an uncanny ability to idealize the past. Amen? <laughs> right? We have this uncanny knack to idealize the past, especially when things aren't going well. Israel, throughout their 40 years of wandering, somehow, multiple times, wanted to go back to slavery. 
instead of trust God for their provision. But that's that sin in us. Right? That's that Egypt in us that we need to be rescued from. That we continually need God's help to drive out of us. Because while we may have been rescued, we need that to be an ongoing process. In the New Testament, we call these words justification and sanctification. Right? God, God needs to save us from a penalty that we so absolutely deserve. We are justified in Christ Jesus. We are declared right in the courtroom of God. Because of Jesus, the rest of our lives, we're getting used to what that means. But sanctification is God's work in us. It's, think about the word transformation. Right? It's getting that Egypt out of us. It's getting that sin out of us. We are completely sanctified in Christ Jesus today. So by the way, if you were to die today, the good news for each of us is that you are fully justified, fully sanctified before God because of Jesus. He is completely everything we could not be. And yet the good news that continues for us today, since we're not seeing Jesus, hopefully face to face, (laughs) this very moment, is God will continue to work that reality out in us as we live. He wants us to continue to get used to the good news that we are free in the finished work of Jesus. He wants us to get used to the reality that we can rest, we can find wholeness, peace, shalom in the finished work of Jesus. He wants to get Egypt out of us. And finally, the reality of our lower story is this, that we oftentimes allow our situations to define for us who God is and who we are to him. Right? God's story for us, his reminder to us is, you are valued, you are loved, you are my children no matter what, and I'm in it with you, I'm, going behind, I'm behind you, I'm going beside you, I'm going before you. I will provide for you, I will lead you, I will guide you, I will discipline you when necessary. Why? So I can continue to lead you into life. And yet, how quickly I forget that. Amen? How quickly we, we let a moment, not God, not the author of the universe, not the one who's going to restore it all, but a moment, a moment in time. Time itself is a creation, right? Sun comes up, goes down, moon comes up, goes down, right? That's part of creation. Time is not, ooh, another sermon, the timelessness of God. Time doesn't exist necessarily to God. God is in all time, at all places. Okay, enough philosophy. <laughs> but we let this moment, this created moment, all of a sudden define who God is and define who I am to him. That's our lower story so often. And yet God says, what? No. I'm leading you into a land. I'm the one who's rescued you. This is the story we have to remember. That God rescues us from Egypt. All of us at one time in our sin, in our brokenness, our mistakes and our failings, we're bound. We're enslaved. And yet God said no. In Christ, the blood of the lamb would be shed on a different door, on a different pile of wood, so that you and I could be free. And the reality for God is that it's not just a freeing us one time, but that God wants to continue to get that that Egypt out of us. That our wanderings, our journeys, much like the journey Luke took us on in Ireland, (laughs) was to remember a greater story, to anchor ourselves often, Daily, momentarily, right? Why does, in Deuteronomy 6, we, again, do this, talk about this story when you walk, when you talk, when you're, when you're with your kids, when you're hanging out with your friends, right? Let this be the story that shapes you. Why? Because Egypt has a knack for sticking around in us. Sin has a knack for trying to weave itself back into our stories. This is why we celebrate communion. I don't know about you, I would, I would celebrate communion weekly. I grew up in the Dutch church, 
was once a quarter. <laughs> but I would do this weekly. I try to think about communion even at my own table. Why? Because the story of Scripture always leads us to the story of the table. It always leads us back to the story of God. And this story of God's t- table isn't about exclusion. It's about, a, it's about the story, as we hear in Deuteronomy 6, of a God who brings us in. No matter where we've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what your story may even look like today, the invitation of God's grace is for you and for your children and your children's children. God's inviting us over and over again to remember the story so that we can remember we've been rescued and we can remember that God continues to rescue us today. So as we think about communion today, I want to just share the words that Jesus shared the night that he was betrayed. Jesus took the bread and broke it. He said, this bread is my body given for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup that they had shared together. He said, this cup is it's a new covenant. It's a new promise in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, drink of it, dip the bread in it, do this in remembrance of me. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. I'm going to pray and I want to invite those who are serving uh, as well as the band to to come back up um, while I'm praying. So if you will, just uh, join me in, in prayer as we prepare our hearts. Fathers, we've heard your word. We also know that the table becomes a tangible expression of your word, your story. So Lord, as we remember today that we are people who've been rescued, much like Israel, rescued from our various Egypt, first on the grand scale of sin and brokenness, and then in the micro scale of the sin that each of us have to deal with, or that you, you have rescued us. Help us to remember that you're continuing to rescue us too. You're continuing to drive that sin out of our lives, that we are truly a new creation in you. And that as we partake of this table, this bread, this juice, and in just such a small way, but Lord, compound its impact in us. Pour out your grace in us. Help us remember this story today. Help us to be rejoined into that story, to be shaped by your story. Father, and as we do this together as a community, may this table draw us together as a community anchored in that story of rescue so that not only as individuals but as a church, we can reflect your goodness, the truth about your saving, and your grace to the world. So Lord, feed us, Holy Spirit, make this real for us. Take these tangible, ordinary elements and do pour out that extraordinary grace by your Spirit in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. All God's people said. You're not familiar, we walk down the sides of kind of these chairs in front and then circle back, but I'd like to invite you to come for all things are ready.
Fill me with your heart. 
as we pray that, as we sing that, just reminded, be be reminded, God doesn't expect perfection in building your life upon him. He just expects faith, a living into, allowing him to shape, allowing him to mold, to work with, to refine, and pour his life into you. Just want to remind you today, uh, if you want to hang around, join us for some food upstairs. Love to have you join us. Uh, We do that every month just to share some community together beyond worship, beyond coffees and donuts beforehand. If not, no worries. Um, But for all of us, let's hear God's, God's blessing for us today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Go in peace. If you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we appreciate it. But uh, have an amazing week.